Welcome to the DJE Podcast, where you will learn about real estate investing from real life examples. Here's your host, Devin Elder. Hello and welcome to the podcast. Thank you for joining us. My guest today is Mr. David Tupin. He's a 27-year-old real estate investor that's done all manner of investing in real estate asset classes, multifamily, development, office, retail. And so we talk about that. We talk about his journey from uh, no experience to buying his first multifamily in college. And we dive into some deal specifics, different deals he's done, different structures. And he's also got an underwriting software platform that we talk a little bit about. So really inspiring story. David's a, an entrepreneur, a go-getter, and has built something really cool at a young age. And so I think there's going to be a lot to learn from our conversations. Before we dive into that, a couple notes from our sponsors here. If you are not currently seeing the DJE deals, our deals that come out and you want to, you can register at djetexas.com to get access to that. And secondly, if you are interested in becoming an apartment investor and you want to learn that entire business and go do these deals yourself or with a team, we created apartmenteducators.com to go do that. So it's an entire ecosystem, coaching, tools, platform, resources, network, everything you need to go do those big deals at apartmenteducators.com. All right, let's jump into the episode with Mr. David Tupin. Here we go. David, welcome. How are you? I'm doing wonderful, man. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, super glad to catch up with you again. It's been a while since we had you on the podcast and you've been uh, moving a mile a minute, doing lots of different stuff. So I want to catch up on all of it. But first, let's, you know, for the listeners maybe that don't know you, how about a little backstory? You, your, um, you know, your journey to real estate and how that, how that worked out for you, man. Yeah, no, it's it's weird to say I'm I'm 27 now, just turned 27. I've been uh, started almost seven years ago. I was uh, Love 20 it. years old when I began, and uh, I you know always been an entrepreneur in college. Bought my first apartment building, had no money. Uh, it's kind of classic, like no money down. Raised it all from investors, uh, and then just grew from there. So I've done little over 1400 units today, um, commercial self storage, all that kind of stuff. Uh, so I did a little bit of every asset type at this point, um, new development. Uh, and now I have a software company as well, which is a multifamily platform. And uh, we help people manage their acquisitions and underwriting. So um, kept busy. Love it. Love it. Well, I want to dig on all that, dig in on all that stuff. You know, starting um, as an investor when you're 20, I think I was probably in a room, a mastermind room with you, probably closer to the start of your yeah. career than, than to today. And um, man, you were in there spitting off stuff about underwriting and it was, it was clear you had like spent the time grinding all this stuff to really be good at it. And you had some older operators in the room were like, Hey man, you'll underwrite deals for me. Like, let's talk. And you had like the whole yeah. room talking to you. So how do you, you know, how do you break into the, to the, you know, the big boys club of these sure. big deals with like no experience and no money. That's a huge man. Yeah. I think everybody's got to bring something to the table. Right. And I realized my value early on was not, uh, was not money. Cause I didn't have any, it wasn't yeah. capital. I didn't have the balance sheet. 
but I knew the numbers really well and it just kind of made sense to me. It, it clicked very early on. So uh, I knew that if I could find deals, bring deals to the table, understand the financial side of the business, uh, that I could bring that value to the table and uh, it would be worth, you know, other more experienced people partnering up with me. And so, you know, they kind of say, you, you, it takes 10,000 hours to master something. I know, at, you know, at this point I've put in uh, well over the 10,000 hours and, yep. and it was the same thing back then. It was, it was just day in, day out, underwriting deals constantly, uh, touring deals with brokers, having those conversations, like you've got to actually put in the work to uh, really understand and get to know this business and this game, just like anything else. So, um, you know, it was all I did and is all I still do. Yeah. So you just, uh, eat and breathe underwriting for, you know, that whole kind of initial period. Yeah. Why, why multifamily? Like what got you into that specifically versus, you know, spending years flipping houses and building up some capital, kind of that traditional track that you and I know tons of people have gone sure. down myself included, you know, you kind of skip to the big stuff without, without capital and without a lot of experience. How come? Yeah. Well, you know, I did single family for probably about six months and I did, I can't remember how many is something like five to seven wholesale deals. So I did a couple of wholesale deals. Sure. And uh, I, I just quickly realized that making those, you know, three to $10,000 checks wasn't as fulfilling for me. It was more of a, is a very salesy business. And as much as I can be a salesperson, that's not really the role that I love. Um, you know, I, I really liked structuring and putting these big deals together where, you know, I might be doing four to eight transactions a year now. I'm not doing huge volume like a house flipper wholesaler might do, uh, but I really enjoy the projects that I work on. And I think it's really fulfilling to take a property that's really beat up, turn it around, make it a better place for people to live, see that NOI increase, be able to refine, pull the cash out or sell it and flip it and make a huge chunk of profit you know, uh, where every deal we're doing is six or seven figure checks that we're looking to make now, as opposed to five to $10,000 a deal. So, um, yeah, I just, I always wanted to do big deals. I don't know if, have you ever read the art of the deal by Donald Trump? Sure. Sure. He, he literally starts off that book by saying like, I like to do deals, big deals. And yeah. that resonated with me when I re first read that book, I was like, man, I just want to do big deals, you know? Yeah, so much better in so many respects, in yeah. one of which is the caliber of person that you're dealing with in these bigger transactions, right? Totally. You're not dealing with like residential emotional BS. It's, you know, residential, it's all very emotional. And in, in, in our industry, it is, um, I say very tactical. It's just logical. People are making these financial decisions. It's, and it's, you know, even when you are cold calling owners, it's less of, you know, Hey, don't call me ever again. It's more of just like, no, I'm, I'm just not interested. I'm not interested in selling or I'll sell, but just, you know, for the right price. So you have different types of conversations and, and the, the higher level conversations to me are more interesting. Yeah. hundred percent. It's a, it's kind of a refreshing thing, you know? Yeah. All those things. I never bought a single family house with a good story around it. Right. It was always like this, just, sure. you know, personal tragedy, frankly, behind all these things. <laughs> uh, and there's some tragedies in multifamily ownership too, but they, they tend to be sophisticated sellers, brokers, attorneys, like your whole universe of people that you have to interact with every day is, has just got Much some different. kind of financial wherewithal business acumen, whatever the case is. So Correct. yeah, I love Correct. it. Well, let's talk about, you know, um, 
you've done lots of different asset classes. We talk a lot about multifamily on this show. Let's just dive into a, a recent deal or maybe a favorite deal and kind of give folks an overview of, of how it came together, you know, from identifying to capital operations. Lo- love to hear about one of your projects. Yeah, I did a really cool one recently. Um, so I bought, I bought a 28 unit. I was three properties, 28 units is all in one little area. Yep. And uh, so I bought the deal. Let me try and remember the numbers for 1.6 ish, 1.6, 1.7. I put zero down and I raised a million dollars from investors at a flat 8%. So these investors, um, they just wanted their 8%. They wanted it monthly, right. but the, yep. there was no upside, right? So me and my partner that bought the deal, we went 50 50. Um, I brought the deal. He brought most of that money. Uh, now this was, you get bank debt in there too, or this is just straight bank debt as well. Yes. Yeah, so gotcha. We brought a million, uh, we had 1.2 on a loan and then we had, uh, 1.2 on a loan, a million in 8% money. So we we're all in at like two, two, and that included, you know, about a half million for rehab. So we held that deal for a year. I think we renovated, um, 14 of the 28 units, we got like six or $700 rent bumps. So we proved out these rent bumps. They were, you know, the family that we bought this from had owned it for 45 years. They built it originally. So what uh, market was this in? It was in Michigan. It was in Metro Detroit in a city called Ferndale. Okay. Um, And and you're, did you live up there? I did. I grew up up there. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So there's, yeah, cool. Okay. So I think the basis was like, we were all in at like 70 a door a year later, we proved out the model. This was, um, you know, kind of during COVID. Actually, when I put it under contract, I think we were under 70 a door and I retraded them down to like 60 a door or something like that because COVID had just hit. Uh, bought it, sold it a year later for 3.6 million. I think it's like 130 a unit. We took the million dollars at 8%. And then me and my partner had a million three in profit that we split. And we took that, you know, 2.3 million and it just happened to be perfect timing. Uh, we found a 52 unit uh, that was for sale. And so we took our 2.3 million, we 1030, we took the million at 8%, moved it over. And then we took the 1.3, we 1031 that part in, into another JV uh, structure, bought a 52 unit with that same money. And now we've uh, gone and doubled that 1.3 million into about 2.6 in equity in the second year. So basically what I think is cool about that story is that's a zero down deal. I didn't yeah. put any money in, my partner didn't put any money in. And now we've each got about a million two in equity in this 52 unit with no other, uh, you know, there's just a couple of us involved on the deal. And then we have some eight per five, 8% investors. So what I think is cool is I've done a bunch of syndications where, you know, 100 plus 150 unit deals, 200 unit deals. We go and raise money from 30 to 40 investors um, and at the end of the day, you sell the deal and you might make, you know, 100, 200, 300,000 in, in GP profit split. But I think a lot of people are really sleeping on maybe going a little bit smaller, but structuring the deals differently and yep. retaining more control and having larger chunks of ownership as opposed to being in this whole, you know, large co-GP environment. And so I think it's cool, right? You got to do both. But um, I like to tell that story because you can do deals zero down and make seven figure profits in, in one to two years if you structure the deal right and you put it together right. So uh, I'm going to hold that 52 unit. We're, we're going to refinance out uh, pretty soon and pull out some, some tax-free cash and then hold that long-term. But uh, 
uh, that was, that was one of my favorite deals so far that I've done. Awesome. Thanks for sharing that story. And I think it underlines that, uh, there's no rules here, right? I mean, there's, there's laws, but that's like way over here. The rules of structuring the finance is whatever you want. You know, if, if it, if it makes investors happy, awesome structure it absolutely however you want. And I think, um, that was really liberating for me kind of coming up and learning this business. Like, Oh, it's, we can just structure this how we want if, if, and you know, if you can structure it where the investors win and the, and the, Correct. you get the deal from the seller, like awesome, yep. you know, go do as many of those as you can. And that, that part is like really liberating as an entrepreneur and almost makes it like a little more art than science. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And those investors, they're getting their five percent when we sold the one property and moved it over to the next one. Um, you know, we gave them all a bonus, an additional bonus, a couple thousand dollars extra too, because, you know, nice. just appreciate them being on board and sure. And they love just getting the flat eight. I wish, you know, I had a lot more investors like that, but you know, it, they have different types, right? So I have a lot of investors yep. that want the typical 15 to 20%. And I, you know, they are kind of more placed into deals that might, might carry a little bit more risk, but there's more upside. And then there's some people that just want that flat return. So again, like you said, there's no rules. It's really whatever you can make happen and however you can structure the deal. Uh, it, you know, sky's the limit. So yeah. get creative. Yeah. For, for somebody that really is entrepreneurial and wants to go out there and make stuff happen, that's a lot of fun. But then on the, you know, access to deal flow, a lot of stuff, you know, deals are, are made, right? I mean, a lot of these deals need to be structured a certain way. And so there's kind of that creative aspect of it. Um, what are some of the other asset classes that you've been involved in uh, as well? You know, multifamily is one thing and we talk about that a lot, but sure. um, talk about that. Yeah, I have a, a small self-storage fund right now. Uh, so we bought our first two properties. We've raised about 4 million of the 10 uh, of our $10 million fund so far. So we bought a couple properties and we're primed to buy the next two or so right now. So we're kind of hunting those. Uh, and that's been, that's been fun uh, to try out, you know, a new asset class. It's going well. Um, and then I have a couple, uh, I have like a mixed use uh, building up in Michigan. And then I have one commercial building up in Michigan, which is funny because I haven't made a dollar on it to date. I've owned it for about a year and a half. And I probably won't make money on this deal for many years just because I burned a, you know, uh, just a, a nice learning lesson was I had a, I had an investor on there that had a 12% carry interest. He, he was kind of my equity that put up money. Yep. And uh, this deal just took a long time during COVID. So it was like two years, you know, to build it out. And um, the lease up was extremely slow during COVID, right? Because it was, it was a very tenant heavy market. Uh, it wasn't a landlord's market for getting, you know, spaces leased up. And so um, we've now got uh, a couple, we've got a, a salon that moved in. I have an F45 gym that just moved into one of the spaces. And I've got this really cool, like art gallery tenant that's moving into the last space. But it's funny because I, you know, I still, to date, I haven't made any money. Once it's fully leased, it'll pay the note. It'll pay uh, my investor his pref and maybe make an extra couple thousand dollars a year. Uh, but it's in an amazing location. I absolutely love the building. And so I'm pretty much working for free on it. I wouldn't suggest doing deals like that, but I'm going to just hold it forever until it's worth more than what I've got into it. And, uh, you know, as a good learning lesson, like time kills deals sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that the truth? Especially when you have a double digit, double digit, uh, pref or investor clock ticket. We've done tons of those deals where you've got, you know, double digit, uh, maybe it's interest, just interest, no equity, which is cool. But you know, you're like, Oh, my interest payments, 
70 right. grand this month. Like right. we better get this thing freaking <laughs> moving along guys. Yeah. Like what is that per hour? This is costing me an interest. Dude. Well, and when it's not leased up, like right now I've got um, our build out is almost done on our F45, but they don't start paying rent till February. And so, you know, we've got right. a 10, $11,000 mortgage payment. Yep. Me and my partner are 50, 50 on the deal. I don't want to go back to my investor. So me and him are paying, you know, about six grand a month out of pocket just to carry the deal. And so I think what's interesting is, uh, you know, when you get creative, sometimes it does put a lot more responsibility back on you yeah. uh, to, to, in some cases, you got to carry the deal. Uh, yep. Some cases like we, we, uh, did, we did a construction loan. We have 550,000 from the bank to do a build outs for all the tenants. And we're going to end up actually needing like 650 to 700. So, you know, that extra 100, 150,000 is going to have to come out of my pocket, you know, uh, when right. we get down to it. And I'm okay with it because I really like the property and the deal. But, um, you know, sometimes you fall into those situations where it's like the more creative you get, the more aggressive you get, you got to sometimes write a check. And so, uh, you know, it is good sometimes just to stick to that typical syndication structure, be really conservative raise extra money as a, you know, your, I don't say, oh shit fund. Right. Sure. Uh, but sure. As you get more creative and you're doing deals lean, sometimes you've got to, you know, it kind of comes back to you. So it's a good learning lessons, but um, I still, it's, it's been great. you know, I would do deals like that again. I would just do them a little differently. Yeah. I appreciate your transparency on that. I've been having a few conversations this week. Um, it's cool to go on podcasts and talk about all the stuff we own and this and that. Yeah. And the flip side of that coin is you're writing multiple six figure checks. Like, I, I don't think it's, I think it's unavoidable. Yeah. You want to be the owner, man. Sure. Great. All the upside accrues to you. Correct. But if you can't put together side. a couple hundred grand like this and you're doing commercial real estate, like yeah. fi figure out lines of credit, figure out some an asset you can sell. You're just not going to be an owner without that happening to you. And um, you know, it stands to reason, right? And it's it's a reason like billionaires own real estate, they can write that check. But for guys that are syndicators or that didn't that started and built this business from scratch, like, man, if you're listening and you want to go be an owner, like you got to be ready to write multiple six figure checks or figure out a way have to have a do partner that who's going to be able to do right. that for you or, yep. or avoid doing those types of deals. Like I have, sure. a, I'll give you another example of a deal like that. I have a condo conversion deal in Austin yep. and uh, that mortgage payments, 15,000 a month. Uh, we ran into some permitting issues. I anticipated finishing the deal in a year. It's now going to take 18 months. Yep. Uh, so, you know, we have a six to eight months of interest carry that we didn't plan for. That's $15,000 a month. Luckily, yep. I have two other partners that are splitting that with me on, but, um, you know, that's another five, six grand a month out of pocket that I've got to carry. And it adds up, right? You've got a couple, that deal will do phenomenal on once it's done, but that deal is non-income producing because we flipped all the apartments into condos. It's fully vacant, um, you know, and, and so until a time where uh, we're starting to sell those, those units, uh, we'll do really well at that time. But for now, you know, it's one of those things where, I'm in that situation where we've got to carry it and that's okay. Yeah. I didn't plan for it, but I think it's always smart as a business owner. Once you start getting established, don't go and spend your money on dumb stuff. Like stay as liquid as you can and be prepared because things like that do happen in this business. Yeah. hundred percent. Well, I think, I think we did a good job scaring everybody about some stuff that could happen and covering <laughs> shortfalls. Yeah. What about, you know, what about the flip side, the upside, your lifestyle, your freedom, your, you know, things you've been able to do because of this, 
you know, what is your, and granted you're 27, but what does your lifestyle look like now? Is it all, you know, do you just grind every day or is there some fun stuff thrown in there? Or how do you like to structure that? Yeah, man, I do both now. Like I can, I think the cool thing is I, I work consistently just because it's a part of my life and I enjoy doing yeah. it. But yeah. if I want to go take a month off and work from another country, I could do it. If I want to, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm getting my pilot's license right now. And Sweet. I, think, I think you have yours and you're, somebody told me you're getting your helicopter license, right? Yeah, actually I have my helicopter license and a helicopter and then I bought okay. a plane, which I'm working. I, I already have the plane, but I'm working on my license to what fly. What kind of plane? So kind of backwards, TBM. Oh, dude, amazing plane. Um, I ordered a SR-22 uh, oh, love it. That's what I'm training on for my license. Okay. Oh, love they're it. awesome. I train Beautiful in the plane. 20 and it's the new ones coming in. It should come in in April. It's being built right now. So fantastic. Um, love I ordered those. it earlier this year. And uh, so I'm super stoked for that. Like to have a plane. I think that's the ultimate freedom. Yep. Um, but you know, I, I've, I have a comfy lifestyle. I got a nice house. I live out here in Austin. It's just me and my dog and I work a lot and travel when I want and real estates, you know, it took me probably three years, um, to actually establish myself. Like the first two years, you're really not making a lot of money. You're building up a lot of that sweat equity, but yep. then you start turning deals. You start making, you know, a couple of six figure checks a year. And then, you know, even more from there. And once you figure out how to make a million dollars a year in real estate, it, I feel like at that point it gets easy. Cause if you can make a million dollars a year in real estate, and then on top of that, another million to 2 million in, 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 uh, in sweat equity that you're building in, in deals by improving them. And depending on the way you structure them, like, you know, at that point you start to feel like you've got, you're established and you've built some wealth. And then, and that for me, because I started with no money, the cash flow aspect actually came last. It took me five years sure. of, of buying deals, building sweat equity. You know, I, I, I think I made a million dollars a year before that five-year mark because I had, was selling deals. So that was capital gains. That's not passive, but yep. it took me five years to start making six figures a year in passive income. Right. So now my goal is to kind of build that up towards closer to seven figures a year in the next couple of years. But, you know, I'm reinvesting a lot. Like I think last year, I invested 1.2 million back into my deals because I'm like, yep. I'm trying to just put everything back in so that later on in life I can live, you know, completely free. So, yep. Yep. And I think at some point, I mean, that's what I, I got to a point where it's like, you know what, I'm just going to write an owner distribution. That's going to let our family live however the hell we want. And I kind of found that like, we don't really need much more beyond that. Every other dollar is going back into deals, That's man. Just awesome. keep, just keep rolling it. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like we live where That's we want to awesome. live, drive what we want to drive, take vacate. We do as much yeah. as we want. I actually, I like to work, so I'm not looking sure. for a permanent vacation, whatever. Um, I like growing companies. And so it's just, now it's like, Okay, well, what else? I mean, that's just kind of covered. You don't have to worry about it. Keep rolling into the deals, man. Everything Keep reinvesting. Because mm -hmm. it is so easy to take it out and to do, you know, but it, when you really reinvest as much as you can, like, I feel like that's that snowball. It's a delayed thing, but you've you felt it, right? You're far ahead of Ryan, but that snowball is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. This becomes like unstoppable, right? At some point, you know, yeah. somebody was telling me your first X amount, I don't remember what it was, millions of dollars of net worth is like so hard the next phase is almost inevitable because you've built the relationships, 
you've built the the skill, the wherewithal, the capital, the track record, and you're not just going to like, oh, okay, that was fun. I'm opting out. It's like that machine is going to keep rolling, man. Um, and so it does kind of become inevitable. I mean, look, we're all, we all have our challenges and, and you know, econ- economic ups and downs so with uh, the broader economy and the Fed doing what they do with rates. But a lot of that machinery you've built now becomes inevitable, right? Correct. I agree. It's, I think the key is do good deals because yeah. one bad deal can mess it up and hold you back, slow you down or put you in a hole. Like one bad deal could really. So the key is just continue being conservative, stick to the fundamentals, underwrite every deal, like make sure you're, you're, you know, really those fundamentals are important. Um, and yep. if you do that and you know, you just wait and wait and wait over time, you'll, you'll be successful. Yeah. I love it. Well, let's talk about, you know, you had an early propensity for the underwriting and the numbers component of it. And then you're, you're still doing that. You developed a software company with this tool for underwriting. Uh, talk to me about that. What, how did that originate and what's that look like today? Yeah. So uh, originally it was just a spreadsheet I'd built over the first couple of years of my investment career. And uh, I put it on my website. People were buying it left and right. I think one year I sold like six figures worth of this spreadsheet. Oh, wow. Like, That's oh awesome. Gosh. Yeah. It's 250 bucks a pop. And I'm like, oh my gosh, people like this is this, there's demand for something out here. Right. And I'm yeah. hearing about other people selling their spreadsheets, whatnot. And then you see companies like Red IQ and all these data companies pop up. And so I'm just like, there's, there's definitely a better solution out there. There's, there's something that is needed from people to not only help them underwrite deals easier, but to do it quicker in a more organized fashion and to put a lot of tools at your fingertips. So we've built an acquisitions platform where you can use either our pre-built models or you can upload your own models that you uh, utilize and then um, it plugs in, it's like a CRM. So you add properties that you're um, underwriting to it. And then you could pull up your model. You can upload a rent roller T12. Our software will read the data out of that, put it directly into the underwriting model for you. Uh, and then we also put a lot of other data at your fingertips, like owner information, tax data, all this type of stuff. So within the next probably, you know, we're still in beta right now. We're launching our full version towards the end of 22 here. Um, but within the next year or two, my goal is how do I pre-populate as much of the model as I can for you as a user? Like, can I pre-populate projected rents or operating expense data? Because I have so many thousands of T12s uploaded into our software. We can aggregate that data based on asset class, market, et cetera. And I can pre-fill your, op- your assumed operating expenses going forward because we have all that data, all that kind of stuff. So trying to make the process easier for companies that are looking through a lot of deals, you know, from the early stage syndicator all the way up to the institutional player who's buying, you know, 10,000 units a year. So um, it's called real estate lab. You can find it realestatelab.com. I think it's awesome. It's been my baby for the past two years and we're, we're about to launch our first V1 uh, to the public towards the end of this year. So awesome. Well, we'll link to that in the show notes for sure. So people can check that out. It's such a bottleneck for your um, kind of startup syndicator. You're, you're maybe you have a job and you decide you want to go syndicate deals. You start learning it, maybe join a coaching program, but at some point you got four OMs on your desk from brokers yeah. and you're like, oh man, I, I do not have the time to get through this, but like, there's literally no other path forward, except to just chow through a million deals. Right. 100%. So anything that speeds up that process is good. 
exactly yeah you have to yeah i'm excited to show you devin when uh when we're done with it so yeah awesome awesome um very good well one one last thing kind of want to finish on here david is uh you know current this is going to we'll publish this in q3 ish of 2022 right so just kind of some some timely content here fed raising rates we got a cpi print today of i think 8.3 um you know what are you seeing on the debt side and how is that impacting you guys business as you're seeing like lower leverage higher interest rates yeah i think you know the past five months have been interesting you know we're in september i think things i think people have, are now starting to come to the realization of the new uh, I don't say new world, you know, uh, where we're at with the rates and everything. Um, but before there was a severe gap between buyer and seller, sellers still wanting, you know, pricing from pre-rate increases, buyers wanting the pricing to reflect the rate increases. I think we're now coming to meeting in the middle a little bit more. Um, and then I think those prices are going to continue to trend down over the next year or so. Um, you know, we're data wise, we're technically in a recession at this point. It doesn't still doesn't sure. feel like it because I think people still have a lot of money, a lot of capital out there. The market's still um, strong in a lot of respects uh, around real estate. But, you know, I think something's going to come out of nowhere. We're going to have a tough six to 12 months and then things will stabilize out a little bit. I don't know when that's going to be. You know, it could be this winter, it could be early next year. Yep. Um, but I think I think things will uh, drastically slow down at, at some point over the next year or two. Well, yeah, something's going to happen, but I think everything's going to be fine. As long as you bought properties, right. I don't think it's end of the world scenario. I don't think it's doomsday. Uh, I think you just have to be smart. Right. And if you're buying properties now still, which in all respects, you should be right. Cause there's never a bad time to buy as long as you're buying. Right. Um, you know, just be prepared, uh, low prepayment penalties, stuff like that. So if rates do come back down, you're able to refine do better loans and stuff like that. So I love I still it. Feel optimist. I'm a, I'm an optimist at the end of the day. I'm a, I th- yeah, I think you, ha- I am too. I think you have to yeah. be to be an entrepreneur. Like you, you take yeah. so many punches right in the teeth that like, uh, only an optimist would keep going. Correct. <laughs> right? You have to exactly <laughs> only crazy psychopath optimist would keep going. Yep. Yep. So there's not, there's not many of us left after the hundred punches in the mouth, but the ones that are right. left, uh, you know, we're doing big things, which is good. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I think things will be okay, but you just got to be prepared. So getting liquid right now is good. I'm selling like three or four properties. I'm trying to put as much cash in my pocket as I can and, yep. and just sit on it until I find something that's like, this is a home run. I'm going to go all in on this. Um, you know, this these are the type of times where multi, multi-millionaires are made. Yeah. So. Be ready. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Yeah. Just be on the lookout for the opportunity that's going to create. And maybe it doesn't look like what you thought, but it's always going to be there, right? Correct. Yeah. Awesome. Well, David is awesome catching up with you, man. I'm, I'm excited about what you've built over the last couple of years. What's the best way for folks to connect with you? Yeah. Instagram at real estate Jedi, or you can email me David at tupinholdings.com. Okay, man. We'll link to that in the show notes, David, really appreciate uh, you coming on, man. Good to catch up and wish you a good, uh, good rest of the year here. Yeah. Thanks, man. We'll have to go flying sometime. Yeah. Let's do it. Talk soon. Cool. Thank you for listening to the DJE podcast. For more information, please go to djetexas.com.